So, you guys watched any of uh, Picard yet? I, I, I have no access. One. I watched oh. the first one, and then I made a dis- determination that I was going to wait for the entire season to be done. And I think, and you, I'm sure this is going to make you cringe a little bit, but I think I'm going to binge it from the very, very start. Of what? The series. The, uh, just this season, right? No. Uh, oh, no, no. The next no. generation, you mean. No. <laughs> just don't. <laughs> and then I have to watch the X-Men movies. <laughs> no, just, just, just don't. Where am I? The Voyager cast. Who are you? The second in command. What do you want? To cover every iteration of Star Trek. I will not watch Voyager, Enterprise, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, or Discovery. My life is my own. By hook or by crook, you will. I am not a prisoner of your podcast whims. Alright, you want to do the prisoner? Alright then. The Village People. An exploration of the prison. With Paul Spataro. Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson, and Andrew Lay. Very exciting. So, all right, are we ready for this episode? This episode. Sure. Dun, dun, we all watched dun, Hammer and dun, Anvil, right? Dun. Correct. Oh, and Andy, I, I, I yes, got to I do. do. My wife said, "Oh, this, this, does these episodes ever end?" That's what my wife said too. <laughs> I got to hear your episode that's at, uh, or I got to hear the music that's at the end of the, uh, that is at the end of our, at, 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 at the music cue. <laughs> yeah, the thing. I don't, I don't know what, what those words you said mean. Well, when he goes to the band guy and has him play something, that's the music that's at the end credit thing of our show. Right? Right, oh. Andy? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. And I was like, I know that music. I put it on the podcast. <laughs> Everybody has a, more people make podcasts than actually listen to podcasts. What? Really? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a statistic that sounds like it could be true. I know. I, I was like, that's pretty sad. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to our show, The Village Idiots. No, yes, The Village People. How many episodes of this have we done? And I still get the title wrong. The we are looking idiot at people. the business idiot people. Uh, we just don't want people tuning in, wanting us to be discussing the oeuvre of the village people band. I think they'd be very disappointed. Uh, in which we are looking at every single episode of Patrick McGowan's allegorical, allegorical, allegorical British science fiction television series, The Prisoner. What is Maggie Smith going to be in it? Oh, that's I, McGonagall. Oh, sorry. We can only hope that Professor McGonagall would be in it. As ever. She was. She was the cat. Oh. <laughs> I am Andrew Leyland, and I am joined by the supervisor, Paul Spataro. Hello. The laboratory technician, Dave Pascarella. Call me Captain Quig. And the female code expert, Dr. Bill Robbins. <laughs> On today's program, number 73 checks out early. Number number six is living rent-free in number two's head. And number two, choose a lot of scenery. 
Of course he does. The episode is Hammer into Anvil, which was written by Roger Woodis and directed by Pat Jackson, which I could have sworn was a pseudonym for Patrick McGoon, but apparently isn't. Each man has his breaking point, you know. And you are no exception. When a girl is driven to suicide, the prisoner calls it murder. A murder he must avenge in Hammer into Anvil. Get the most down! Get it down! Yes, sir. Who can he be signaling to? We'll find out. Radar! Anything? No, sir. Not at sea. There must be. No, sir. There's no ship, sir. There must be an aircraft, helicopter, something. There's nothing, sir. Under the sea. Submarine! Try the sonar. No, sir. There's nothing coming through. You can stop acting now, you know. I've been on to you from the beginning. I knew what you were doing, sir. All those messages you sent, and all those people you recruited, I knew you were at arms. The prisoner abandons his plans to escape to destroy his captors in the next dramatically different adventure of The Prisoner on this channel. The synopsis runs thusly, seeking to avenge the death of a persecuted girl. The prisoner plays cat and mouse with number two. It's more a case of the prisoner's a cat and the mouse is like, get off me, but we'll go with that synopsis. (laughs) ITV broadcast this on Friday, the 1st of December, 1967, to an audience of 9.1 million viewers. CBS first broadcast it on Sunday, the 31st of August, 1968. I have no idea how many viewers there accumulated on that particular viewing. Uh, This is a very unusual episode in that it is not about six even attempting to escape. It's more straight up revenge psychological thriller with an excellent number two, uh, Patrick Cargill, who was in Many Happy Returns, if you remember. As Thorpe. Yes. So he's already been in the show. Uh, It doesn't say either way whether it's supposed to be the same character that we saw in Many Happy Returns, but it kind of makes sense if it is, Mm. because that would imply that it is being run by a certain set of people. And it would also explain perhaps why Six knows him as well as he does to be able to do all the stuff that he does to him in this episode. So, so. You know, we've brought up our viewing order that we've been <clears> following, the KTEH uh, viewing order. And I think where this falls with what's left is a good place for it, because I think we have reached a point now to where we see, like, I don't know if this would have, because uh, where was it? It was originally episode 10, so it would have been like uh, back about three or four episodes I don't think it would have been as believable now. It's like here we have if 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 we go in a natural progression here, we have a number six who's kind of learning how to play the village against itself. Yeah. Well, interestingly, many happy returns filmed straight after this one. (laughs) So they probably just kept Patrick Cargill around. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, we need somebody for the next. uh, The next. uh, You want to stick on? Oh, yeah, sure. It's got a very bleak opening as this one. <laughs> Literally the first line of it. So why did you slit your wrists? <laughs> You're like, really? Okay, we're not in cozy little saint land anymore, are we? Well, you know, maybe people who have tried to attempt suicide should not be placed on a higher floor in a hospital with an open window. 
Right. Maybe not. Or, or maybe they should. Maybe that's why. Well, like yeah, that. yes, this is the village. Yeah. Mm. Not to make light of suicide, just saying. Oh, no, no. I suicide is not a laughing matter, but this show is very dark. And it's entirely possible that they said, hey, you know, we want to be dark here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it is. And certainly where it falls in both the production order and the serving order that, that Bill's having us follow. It's the last normal episode, really, mm. that you're going to get before the series ends. Even if you look in production order, this was filmed and then it was filmed. What followed it was Happy Returns, Do Not Forsake Me, Living in Harmony, The Girl Who Was Death and Fallout. None of those are normal episodes of The Prisoner. Mm. So actually having this one here does actually work because you've split up some of the wacky weird ones like Living in Harmony and Do Not Forsake Me or My Darling and then give you a couple of more normal episodes. Even though this isn't a normal episode, this felt very much like a film psychological thriller that they could have rewrote it slightly and it could work as as anything. Really, Mm -hmm. it could work as a short movie. It could work as an episode of another show. The only thing I think lets this one down is that we don't know number 73 and we don't get to know her. Whereas if this was made nowadays, she would have been a character in a couple of episodes. And then it would have been a shock that she killed herself at the beginning of this one. And we would have also got a bit of more of a background on what number two was actually doing to her. That caused her to think that suicide was the best way out because as it is, it opens and Six clearly blames him for what went on. And he clearly knows something has been going on. But we as an audience don't know that. We've not got a clue what was happening. I totally agree with that. I loved the way he plays with the paranoia of the village in general. That even number mm. two is going to be paranoid because he doesn't even know everything that's going on in the background. So I thought that was really, really cool about this episode. But... I do agree with you that the motivation of why he's got it in for this particular number two is kind of lost a little bit. I mean, you you get the, the broad stroke of the fact that, you know, he, he blames her for this woman's suicide, but you don't really get a feel for the character herself and, you know, why she is doing what she's doing and, you know, how she got into that situation. So that that is a, a uh, somewhat of a failure with the episode. But otherwise, I. You know, I, I really got a kick out of this one, despite my wife hating it so much. <laughs> I, lo- I love this one. I think this one's really cool. Yeah, because he even visits her grave. And I found it quite chilling. <laughs> the grave literally just says 73 on it. I thought that not was kind of silly, actually. I thought it was quite sad. There's not even a birth date. Yeah, I, but I thought Nothing. that was, you know, like, why why put a stone at all if that's what you're going to do? That's, that's kind of what I thought. It, it, like, it made no sense to me that you would even... You'd have somebody cut a stone and then engrave it with just a number. What's mm. what's the point? You, you, well, you know, if, if anything, if, if you've been to a cemetery and you see there are some uh, grave sites that just have like this kind of little, almost it, it almost looks like a nameplate on the ground. Yes. And and I think in, in this instance that would have been much more uh, realistic. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, I mean that just reiterates more in the village you are. You were just a number. Yeah, but but it, it it to me it goes both ways there. It says you're just a number, but then it also says, well, we but we took the the effort of cutting a gravestone and and putting your number onto but, it. 
But that could just be a mass grave for everybody that's been 73 because we've seen multiple people with with the same number. So you just have uh, either that or this is the 73 section of the uh, of uh, the village um, graveyard. It's Mm. it's admittedly a nitpick. No question about it. It's it's not certainly not a a key point in the episode. But I just think it would have been even a little bit more chilling if the graves were less ornate than they are. And they're, they're not very ornate at all. But but even make it more just almost almost look like the cemetery is, is like a big filing cabinet. I, I think oh. that would you know like that's that's what I'm thinking in my mind, and I think that would have made it even more effective to show how little they give a shit about everybody who's there, other than the purposes they serve with the information they can provide. You know, I I went down a slight rabbit hole. Um, I don't know if I became infected like number two because. When he passes the other grave and it's 113, mm-hmm. I I was like I was like, oh you know what? If you take the three and you take the, <laughs> you take the two ones, and that's two. Two times three is six. And I'm like, shut up, Bill. <laughs> yeah, shut up, Bill. I think I think that rabbit hole has gotten very very deep. You may see the moment down there soon. <laughs> he comes out of the grave. Hey, who put this here? See, my, so, my favorite bits about him actually choosing to break number two in this way is he doesn't actually do anything that any if you're not watching him throughout the entire episode, like right, he was doing, he's not really doing anything weird or nothing more weird than what six normally does anyway. Come on. Nobody buys six, six records, listens to them for 10 seconds, writes down a note and it says, nah, I don't want these. But what I love about that is. He is relying on the guy who's selling the records to grass him up. <laughs> he is absolutely relying on the fact that everyone else in the village is in on this and everyone else in the village is a sycophantic suck up and will want to be seen to be the one helping number two. And it's really clever how he works that to his advantage because he knows that's what everyone's going to do. So number two is getting all these little disparate pieces of information from different parts of the village none of which adds up to anything at all my favorite being when he phones the psychiatrist and literally all right you don't want to talk over the phone i understand <laughs> and he knows that number two is gonna be what, what were you talking about what, what does he mean why do you, you want to talk over the phone and the poor psychiatrist guy's like i have no idea oh. and of course number two doesn't believe it because if this show has been about anything it's been about paranoia and distrust and, you know, not always relying on what people tell you or what even you see with your own eyes. So just the way he gets under his skin all the way through the episode. I genuinely like this one just as a standalone piece of television. I think it's really well written and performed. Maybe there was a message on that piece of paper and you're just not telling me. Yeah, it's a piece of paper, dude. Because it's like it's like was when he's looking at the records and he's well uh, the guy says well they're all the same they're all the same pressing and he's like yes you'd think that wouldn't you and you're like what <laughs> but did you notice that he listened to the entire record so he sat there and listened to yeah. the, the record six times in a row in a row you've you know, got to I'm admire saying. his commitment to the bit haven't you <laughs> did, I thought he just listened to the first couple of seconds of yeah, no right. no. No, because the record was at the end. So, yeah, he's listened to all of that side. 
Okay, I, I definitely took that wrong. I thought he put each one on and, and listened to like six seconds and then went to the next one. Well, number six did, but number two went. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's okay. it's it's at the end. Like so, number two has gone and listened to the whole album over and over again. Yeah, and I thought six, what was really clever as well. They make that record the basis of the incidental score. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I it's did. it's like they've put an awful lot of thought into this one, and uh, I I I I think it's just brilliant how he comes up with this scheme of doing very little just to get under this man's skin. And the uh, the uh, symbolism of the cuckoo clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a bomb. What was interesting that when he puts the clock outside the door, it cuts away very quickly. The door starts to open. Oh, I missed that. And I was like, because I rewound it and watched it again. You literally just see the door start to open and then it cuts away. So either they cut something out there or the door opened and shouldn't have done. I don't know. But it just adds more mystery to it, which is fun. I thought a nice little thing. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if it you call it character development was when we cut to number 14 and he's actually kind of sitting in a chair outside the office. Like he's like, he's half asleep. Like, Oh God. Mm -hmm. Oh, 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 oh. number two, number two. (laughs) I like that. We got Kosho again. Was it all the same footage? I don't know because the two guys walked up at the end and I don't remember that in the other footage. Right, because it see it seemed to me that the certainly the he bounces three times and then jumps over. That was the same. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a mix and match of stock footage and new stuff, I don't know. Is there like a Kosho tape you have to play in the background? Well, the likely, I would imagine. So who we don't who oh, oh, no no, no go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say we don't really learn anything new in this one. You can infer from the fact that we've seen Patrick Cargill play another character who it is who's running the village or partially running the village. But that contradicts what the woman in the first episode said about it being very cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. So I always got the impression it was multiple factors were running the village, not just one government. But that adds a, a, an element of continuity to it that I don't actually think is really the. I think that's just if they film many happy returns next, he probably said, can you hang around for a couple of days and film us another scene? I'm like, do I get paid again? Yeah, it's a different episode. OK. Mm-hmm. But so there's not a lot of new stuff that we learn. Other than don't trust anyone in the village because they're all grasses. <laughs> so uh, who do we have for alternate twos? Does number two work for? Who does number two work for? That's right, buddy. You show that turn who's boss. Do you know what I thought of watching this? Right. I thought Shatner could have done this. You son of a... <laughs> Sorry, because <laughs> he, he can do that. You did it to me. I did it to you. Sorry, and no, he finally I got to you. But he can, can't he? He can do that slow meltdown yes and that exactly was so what i was exceptionally thinking. well as an actor that i felt he would have been brilliant as this version of number two 
Yes, I highly agree. That, that that's what I was seeing, and he would be a contemporary at this time. What it would have been like in the sixty-eight. First, yeah, yeah, it would have been in the uh, second, third season. Yeah, probably it would, would have been in third or second or third season of Star Trek, so he wouldn't have been available to do it. Right, but but, but if you could, if he, you know, he in an alternate universe, he could have played this. Yes, and I think he would have done an exceptionally good job of it, and I would have loved to see Shatner go up against McGowan. Because they uh, yeah. are very two different, very different kinds of actors. And have both been on Columbo multiple times. Yes, both like yeah. both were friends with Peter Falk. I had a very, very different thought myself, though. I, I wanted somebody who would come off as, as pompous, but that could not compete with him and would, would melt down, you know, under his pompacity. And I, you may have to look him up. I don't know if you'd be familiar with him based on his name, but I picked John MacGyver. And if once you see him, you're going to say, "Oh yes, I know who that is." He's he's a he's he's one of those that guys. I can't even give you a specific episode that he was in or specific show spells, that he was in. Spells that name. It's M C G I V E R. Oh, he, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, he was in uh, a couple of Twilight Zones, I think. Um, he he oh, was, he in, was in Breakfast I at think, Tiffany's. Yeah, I think he was in so many TV shows. Like I said, that if you know, if you're if you're a fan of TV from the '60s and '70s, and maybe even into the '80s, I'm not sure. Uh, you'd you'd see him and you'd say, oh yeah, of course. <clears throat> Well, actually, it says he was active until 1975. So he passed at 61 years old in 75. Oof. Mm. So he was not active into the 80s unless they wheeled him out there. <laughs> but he he definitely, uh, you know, like I think he traditionally plays a uh, pompous type guy. And uh, I could, easy, easy, you know, see him getting shaken so easily by uh, by number number six's antics. You would and have I could seen see him, him playing it well. He was in Alias Smith and Jones. Oh, right, cool. He also he he was an American actor, but he often played a British person, which is it seems to be the opposite of the current trend where we have a tremendous number of British actors playing Americans. <laughs> to to lesser uh, effect with the accent, if we're talking Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> well, it depends on which which one we're talking about, but there's plenty of them out there that that do it such a good job with it. That I have when I find out that they're actually, you know, from England and then I hear them speaking with their, you know, normal affect. It's it's shocking to me. Uh, The most recent one was uh, in the show Yellowstone, the character of Beth, who is Kevin Costner's daughter on the show. Uh, Turns out, you know, she's English. She was in I I think she was actually in uh, Downton Abbey at one point. Oh, wow. Uh, But but and and now she's playing, you know, a, a Montana cowgirl. And John MacGyver, 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 I believe, was actually in Gilligan's Island at one point. Hey, it's a Gilligan's Island connection. Gilligan's Island. (laughs) It always comes back to that. But I, I, you know, that was the thing about this episode that I really enjoyed so much was just the way he played with the paranoia. And I feel like you'd need a number two who's going to to break under the pressure. And I 
think you know your choice and my choice are very different in that I have somebody where you'd see him starting to crumble quickly. Uh, I think Shatner would be a little <laughs> just it's almost weird to say these words, but I think Shatner would be a little bit more subtle in the way he did it. Uh, I think that the the breakdown would would occur more slowly because he would be more resistant at first and you know more quick to put up a, a fight. And I'd have to get a scene at the end of it where Shatner would go, I'm number two. <laughs> I did not pick a a current number two. I couldn't think of anybody who really fit for me. I was having a hard time with that, too. And the two names that were floating around in my head for some odd reason was Steve Buscemi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I could see and, that. And also... Um, Oh my God! I can't believe I'm blanking on uh, uh, Joe Pesci. But 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 not like Joe Pesci from Lethal Weapon, you know. Not like you know more Joe Pesci like from Goodfellas or Casino, you know, mm. more menacing, you know, getting crazy towards the end. Please, Joe Pesci, do not do your Chicago accent. <laughs> See, I like Jason Isaacs. Ah. Another good choice. Yep. He's another one who I see as being the very slow burn as he kind of yeah, goes into the paranoia. I don't I don't think you can, you know, the, the way he presents himself, you couldn't rattle him that quickly. You'd, you'd he, It would be similar to the way he did as, you know, in Harry Potter, where, you know, he was so pompous at the beginning. And then by the, the eighth movie, he was, you know, a, a shadow of himself. I've got a couple. I, I put a lot of thought into this and to me there's just there were a lot of actors who popped out that I would have kind of liked to seen what they could do with it uh, my first is the contemporary Herbert Long mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Herbert Long is contemporary <laughs> well it was, he was working at the time right Oh, you mean contemporary with? I thought you meant contemporary for us. I was like, oh, oh no, 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 no! Hasn't he been dead for years? <laughs> no, no, he only died in 2012. But I mean, back then he he would have been a, a yeah. No, able... that's, that's I I misunderstood. My my totally my error. <laughs> Doing the eye twitch. <laughs> more <laughs> more recent. I, I could just see him. With, I'm sorry. Before you do, no, that, go ahead. Just, just see him in in the in this episode, and every once in a while, I cut to him, and he's like, "Every day, in every way, I am getting better and better." <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody doesn't get that uh, that reference, uh, watch the Pink Panther Strikes Again because it's hilarious. Duty calls. We got balls. Uh, uh, contemporary with us, I thought Bruce Davidson. From the oh, X-Men. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Senator Kelly. Mm. Oh, Bruce, Bruce Davison was in an episode of V, the series. And he made everyone else in that show look like they were in a school play. <laughs> and even uh, still kicking around, an older Alan Alda, I think, could have played it. Oh, that's a good choice. Because, mm. you know, when he, when he blows his top, mm. he... he he could have he would have done well. And just to throw out there, if we were going in the opposite direction on the timeline, Humphrey Bogart, Captain Queeg from the Kane <laughs> Mutant. I was, I was thinking get, of that. Uh, yep, I had some 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 Kane Mutiny vibes in here. So if you wanted to go along that line, so if you're thinking of, of Captain Queeg and the Kane Mutiny and you wanted to go now, 
couldn't you just easily go Jack Nicholson from A Few Good Men? Yeah. Mm. Speaking of which, but, I but saw I, some. I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I I think uh, Captain Queek had more subtlety to him than Jack Nicholson in the, from A Few Good Men. Well, I can't yeah. necessarily disagree with that. Yeah. His his performance is amazing, but it's not subtle. Yeah, there was, a, there was an article that I saw today, and it was like, Jack Nicholson approaching his 86th birthday looks unrecognizable. And I'm like, all right, I got to see it. I click on it. I'm like, that's Jack Nicholson. Yeah, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't like, look unrecognizable at all, does he? He was he was you know, out with like, his hair all messed up. That yeah, was, yeah, that's, that's why I was just like, really? That's unrecognizable. He just fucking woke. Oh, excuse me. He just woke up. <laughs> it's like I look like I whatever. Uh, I've been sucked into clickbait. Damn it. I, I saw the same exact picture you're talking about though. Yeah, I was like, uh, okay, not seeing it. So uh, while I have this thought in my head, oh, and it's gone. At the end, when he uh, uh, he calls, he's on the phone with number one, we're to assume. Does it look like he has a gun to his head with the red phone back sitting in, in, in his little – and he's hiding in his chair, yeah. it looks like. Yeah, and it I, looks I, like, I agree. And it I looks think. like a gun is at his head, like he's – you know, he's – ah, which goes back with how the, the episode started. I think you – know, it's funny you say that because a thought that crossed my mind while watching this, particularly in the scene where uh, they pick up number six and bring him in. <laughs> nobody is ever seen really with guns. Mm. You know, the, the security people or whatever. You, no one not, is armed. Right. Not on the island. We've seen guns off the island like on the boat when he got on the boat mm-hmm. i think it was guns on that but yeah there's yeah there's no there's no weapons in the village the village is a happy place it's like the cell block floor no guns on the cell block floor yeah. when when did they ban guns in in england well they haven't banned them the police still have them but by and large they're not as prevalent in our society just generally so Maybe when they were making the show, they just didn't even think about using them. Because you've also got the thing as well, Magoon was staunchly anti-violence as well as anti-gratuitous sex. So he's okay with the odd punch up here and there. But even Danger Man, where you'd think there would be some gunplay, he wasn't interested in any of that. So it possibly came from Magoon. Magoon's dislike of violence generally in entertainment. I, I did think that, you know, that is become seems to be becoming more of the norm, though, in these episodes where it's got to be, you know, uh, number six accosted by at least two men at a time and, and putting up his, you know, his fight. Well, now uh, we you, had what, three and we had the guy waiting in the uh, in the pram, you know, or but in, this, in this time, this time you had to have them successful against him. Mm-hmm. Usually well, yeah. it's usually he's successful, so they had to make the odds a little bit more uh, overwhelming because you know you can't have six lose a, a you know like he's not going to lose on one on one battle to anybody in the uh, village. No. and we've seen him not day. lose two on one. So, so they had to pile on him. 
Yeah, so that, it's, I'm not surprised that they said, oh, we, we need three guys this time. In fact, with McGowan run, running the show, I'm surprised he didn't say, you know, we need 20 guys. <laughs> <laughs> he did. They didn't have the budget for it. Yeah, they didn't have enough money. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing him now, you know, Bruce Lee and Into the Dragon. Where the <laughs> people come at him one at a time and he just dis- dispatches each one of them quickly. You know, if we were all to go after him at the same time. <laughs> Why would we do that? <laughs> Well, because they would run into each other. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time I felt sorry for the poor supervisor. His face oh, yeah. when he fired him. <laughs> He's like, oh, man. Oh, man I've and got then, nothing else, man. i got nowhere then, else to go. <laughs> we did get a little more camera time for the for the butler, though. Yes. Well, oh, I, I felt so bad for the, but, the butler and the supervisor. I was like, hey, what did those guys do? <laughs> Come on. I would have laughed if the butler, like when number two tur- turned around, he made a face like, you know, stuck his tongue out or, you know, like, mm. so maybe the butler's number one. Uh, maybe. I kind of thought that as it's going along that, you know, somehow he's, you know, going to be the, the guy behind it all since he never speaks. Have we ever recast him? No, we have never recast the butler, but obviously he's deep Roy, right? Oh, I just keep picturing Danny DeVito in Taxi. <laughs> Yeah, Hervé Villachez. We could have tattoo. We could have Hervé Villachez. Or or, uh, Peter Dinklage. But we don't have to have a. He doesn't have to be a little person. No, no, No. that's true. You could have Ted Cassidy. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. We could have Mr. We could have Mr. Holm from uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yes, it could be Mr. Holm. Who played um, Mr. Hum? I'm trying to remember. I that. Wasn't that somebody of it, some... Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Or other. Yes, of uh, substantial height. Yes. He's now a lawyer, isn't he? I thought he had passed away, but maybe not. I no, don't know. He's a, you think he's an entertainment lawyer now? I could be wrong. Mm. Does he uh, walk in with a little chime before court? Bing! <laughs> Carol, C-A-R-E-L, Stroykin. Oh, there you go. S-T-R-U... Y C K E N, born in 1948, age 74, is a Dutch actor known to Star Trek fans for playing Luxana Troy's assistant and valet, Mr. Hom, in five episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. He also played the Spectre in Star Trek Voyager second season, The Thor. Wait, are you sure he's not the, the leader of Hydra? Oh, wait, that was Carl Strucker. Sorry. Now, uh, let's see. No. Is a Dutch actor. He's known for playing the giant fireman in the tele- television series Twin Peaks. Uh, trying to see if he's if he's gone off to be a lawyer, as you said. He's a vegetarian, likes gardening. Didn't uh, he play Lurch in the, uh, the family movies? Yeah, Raul Julia. Yeah, he did. And yeah, he's got a he's got a decent. A resume of, of movies starting with as the brute in start in sergeant peppers and lonely hearts club band how oh, did we yeah, not yeah. how did we not mention that when we did is it yours on that one mm. he was also in ewoks the battle for endor so he's got the star trek <laughs> so and I was, star, he was an ewok <laughs> he's got the star trek and star wars connection he's like, yeah well you know he's uh well, we, we don't talk about him against type and there's miscasting <laughs> I he do not see six. where he. I do not see where he's an attorney. <laughs> Maybe he played one on Law and Order. 
Maybe he did, yeah. He, and again, that. he came in with the chime. Bing, bing. <laughs> Palm attorney at law. <laughs> That'll be a great movie. Mr. <laughs> or TV show, rather. And he just comes in with the thing. He doesn't actually say anything. He, he comes it? in. That's he comes in. You... He hits hits the thing, and they're like, "Great argument! I can't believe you won that." <laughs> and he like puts out, out his hand, like, "And thank you." No, you know what he's like? He's like fish. You remember on uh, what the hell was the program? Oh, cop shell ball. You Barney need... Miller. Barney Miller. Yeah, Abe Vigoda. He could barely walk, but you'd be like, "Oh my God, you're sh-. he t- chased the guy across the roof and he jumped yeah. the alley." That was when they. That was when they. Uh, Accidentally imbibed some hash. <laughs> what do you think? You're dealing with kids? <laughs> that is the single best episode of Barney Miller, and I believe it's available on YouTube. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's hilarious. The old guy jumped across the building. <laughs> uh, uh, so, how many ways did they see? No, so, the number six. Began listening to the album. He put a message on a carrier pigeon. He put <laughs> yeah. get he that bird. That was I Kill it. I just expected stop the pigeon, stop the pigeon. <laughs> it didn't so he the did papers the in the stone boat. Yeah, put the pictures. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like snuck away at night with you know. Um, he had. Oh, that okay. was a good one. That that was these papers. They're, they're blank. They're blank. They can't be blank. He's Analyzed them, staring at them, going over them and over them. Yeah, that was quite cool. And then, it, then it was the nursery rhyme, you know. And he's like, "But this is what you just put in. What does it mean? I don't know." <laughs> oh, poor number two. Not poor number two at all. He drove a girl to kill herself. Oh, he gets no, everything I'm... coming to him. Yes, yes, he does. There are other number twos that you've kind of thought, this guy's clearly just doing his job. And he mm-hmm. couldn't really give a shit about you, number six, or the village. He wants to serve his time and go home. But this guy got what was coming to him. Yep. Oh, and he, putting putting the message in the tally-ho, having the <laughs> private message read over the radio. Today's not number six's birthday. And, and that's what got the supervisor fired. You know, does the super? I know the butler will be back, but do we get to see the supervisor again? Was he really fired and let totally let go? I mean, I these are out of remember. order. Yeah, it depends so. what order the filming was and whether we see him again in the filming order. But I honestly don't remember. We need to keep is he an not eye in the out. last one. I think he is, but we need to keep an eye out because it would be really weird if we never see the supervisor. Yeah, if he was again. genuinely fired here. And the nope. last shot of the last episode is him just wandering around a road on his own with the lonely man playing. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a thing at the at the hospital called uh, uh, Code Orange, but of course I hear it as Orange Alert, Orange <laughs> Alert. It's like I want to get the supervisor to make the announcements at work. Purple Alert, Purple Alert. Are you sure, Maybe. sir? It means we have to change the light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a Red Dwarf reference. For those not in the know. I was not in the know. Yeah. Go to Red Alert, Crichton. But, sir, that means we have to change the light bulb. Let's <laughs> <laughs> the list, us, sir. Okay. Uh, so what else have we got? I think 
think we've uh, think we've arrived. Oh, and he also goes to the band guy and says, play this, and then walks away. And, you know, God, he just <laughs> messes so many ways. It just, it's like it's everything he's doing, he, he knows. Uh, there is more evil. Okay, so the message he has in Spanish from dot, whatever, uh, uh, there is more evil in the, in the little village than is heard. Ah, <laughs> uh, good times, good times. Yes. Oh, ha- hammer in the anvil. Yeah, so yeah like, hammer, anvil. He's, yeah, but uh, so there's a George. Uh, so I'm just reading here uh, in one of the the Wikipedia says what number six says, and you see me as the anvil. Oh wait, how did I become German? He's apparently <laughs> aware, and number two apparently is not of the George Orwell quote. It is always the anvil that breaks the hammer, never the other way. And if you think about it, yeah. Uh, you keep striking an anvil is hardened to, you know, you usually have to replace your hammer before you replace your anvil. Mm. Number two didn't know that. And number twos, all the number twos the are the hammers. So I guess, do we rate this? I think we do. Who's going first? Me. Uh, I think this is great. Six. I think it's a great, straightforward, no-nonsense episode. You don't have to know what the show is to even follow this one, really. It's not about him escaping. It's about him purely getting revenge on somebody who has caused a young girl's death. He's basically a pacifist Charles Bronson. (laughs) (laughs) Thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm Um, going to go right on board with you there because I I thought this was so much fun to watch and it was different i like the fact that you know that that it didn't just repeat the same notes that we've already seen it gave us something a little different and i'm going with a six as well i i i was riveted by it while others were not (laughs) (laughs) me too six i usually have something you know critical to say and uh, comparing to gilligan's island this week i have nothing this was great it held my attention it was exciting six exciting and new New. come aboard the village (laughs) soon we'll be capturing another spy the village (laughs) you're gonna stay here until you die Look at that, right off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> it's the vid. Oh, sorry, I lost it. <laughs> I couldn't hold that note. I'm not a trained so singer. Well. I will give this a, a a six ways to mess with your boss. Because uh, this was just great. And uh, all through this, if they could have had... Uh, Another musical thing we could have had, which didn't come until later, was uh, one of the uh, I can't remember what 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 her name is. One of the females from ABBA, you know, the song. I know there's something going on. Doom, yeah. doom, 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 doom. I remember doom, that. Song. Doom, 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 doom. That that's that's just, you know, the paranoia of number two is awesome. This is a six. All right, so we loved it. This was clearly, obviously, the highest rated rated episode we've had universally. Uh, no, I think so we far. had. A, I don't we think we had one where we were all sixes. I don't think mm. so. 
Okay. Uh, so we thought that, but what did Blaine think? Anyone? Oh, uh, what did <clears throat> what did Blaine? You've already, you've already done the love love boat theme. That that was brilliant. Yeah, so he was he yeah. was he was now adapting it for Blaine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Carry on. Yeah, well, now I've lost it. I mean, I mean we could we could try to do uh, uh, the Fall Guy scene thing. <laughs> well, I'll enough. work on it. I'm just I'm just thinking Blaine. Blaine he watches the prisoner. <laughs> Blaine. He sends us his notes. <laughs> I can't take it. I, I'm not as good as Bill. What can I tell you? Anyway, Blaine says. Hi, guys. This is the plot I've been waiting for, not wanting to say anything for fear of spoiling the idea in case it was not revealed until late in the episode. Number two always tries to break number six, but what if number six breaks number two first? His plan was more involved and therefore more plausible than a simple, don't you think he looks tired? That also makes it more enjoyable to watch. The paranoia inherent to number two was established in our inciting incident, and was likely familiar to number six from past dealings with this particular number two. The inciting incident itself is of debatable effectiveness from my perspective. There has been a lot of manipulation in this village, to the point that I wouldn't trust any situation that seemed to require immediate reflexive action. It's too easy to imagine that you're being set up. We have no reason to think that the woman and number six knew each other, and number six certainly wasn't close enough to have heard the conversation that the audience saw and heard. Granted, we also have no reason to think that the woman and number six didn't know each other. We know that at least a year has passed since number six arrived, so there is clearly more than a week between episodes. We don't see him meeting most of the new number twos either, so it may be consistent with the series to handle it in this way. It was just handled in a way that raised a lot of questions when I should have been sharing number six's urgency to save the woman. As for the next episode, well, I don't need to say where that is on iTunes anymore, because the last three episodes of the series are the last three episodes on iTunes, and they appear in the correct order. Also, I've only recently learned that the series is also available through Tubi TV. That source uses the same broadcast order as iTunes, so all of the pointers I've listed over here the past few weeks can also be used there. I would tend to agree with uh, Blaine's analysis of that, and I think it kind of goes to what we were saying about, uh, you know, that that we could have used a little bit more background on why number six cared so much mm. about about mm. what happened. Uh you know, we we were talking recently on, on an episode of Is It Yours about the differences in filmmaking over the years. And we were actually comparing a, a movie from the 30s to this to a movie from the 50s. So this is after that. But we were saying, you know, in the early movies, a lot of times they kind of just to move things along uh, because they made sh- much shorter movies in general. They would kind of just trust that the audience would be able to establish the relationships between characters, you know, in their own mind. And I think that that's kind of a shortcut that they took here, figuring, you know, they only had whatever, 48 minutes to do this episode. Uh, you know, they didn't want to drag it down with adding more stuff because they really, really wanted to play with the different things that number six was doing, you know, to play with the paranoia. So unless you were going to make this a two part episode, I think you had to cut something. And I don't think they wanted to cut the mind games. I think they really, you know, decided let's just go with the, uh, you know, the relationship and and hope the audience is smart enough to get it. I think the audience is smart enough to get it, but I think the audience would have just enjoyed seeing more and being a little bit more invested in the character's relationship. 
Well, it it originally ended with him visiting her grave again. And for whatever reason, that scene was either cut or not filmed, I think. I can't see which word it says. But the script ended with him going back to the grave, kind of like I got him for you. So there is an indication there that he knew her, or certainly knew her better than we were led to believe he knew her. I would have liked to have seen that in the in the episode. Mm. There was two additional scenes at the end of the script. As number six crosses the ante room, the new number two was framed in the doorway. And as number six walks past him, he simply looks at him and says, be seeing you. Like, <laughs> fuck around. So, <laughs> so basically the, the equivalent of fuck around and find out to the new number, number two. And he's then seen at the graveyard looking at the grave of number 73 with pain and pity in his eyes before he stands up, squares his shoulders and walks away. So he does revisit the grave at the end. They could have had him visit the grave and have Teresa Bonds next to it. Yes. <laughs> you know, and George Lazenby's at the side of him. You know, seven minus three is four. And when you times that by, wait, no, no, you add that to two, that's six. Gosh, where do you come up with these conspiracy theories? <laughs> it's all, it's all connected. Well, I'm Charlie Day on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> with, with my photos and my pins and my string uh, well, what was uh or was it pacific rim charlie day in that we yeah, can hear yeah. all the conspiracy theories in that as well and that's true too yeah and then he linked with the kaiju so i guess that's it for uh hammer into anvil uh but what do what did we uh yeah blah, blah, blah. but what's coming up next time Next time on an all new Village Idiot People. (laughs) (laughs) That girl's going to be the death of me. And the girl who was death. Oh, right. That one. (laughs) The prisoner meets a delightful distraction with a deadly, dangerous plan for his destruction in The Girl Who Was Death. As she takes him on a murder merry-go-round with all the fear of the fair. I'm going to do you the honor of letting you die superbly. Not yet, darling. My name is Death. Is your heart pounding? Your hand shaking? Nice of you to drop in. You'll soon get the point. This strange, beautiful girl takes the prisoner from the present into the Napoleonic past. I'm quite sure you killed him. Father, who taught me? Be sure to watch The Girl Who Was Death, the next exciting episode of The Prisoner on this channel. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. 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 To seeing you. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Who are you? The village people who are the supervisor, Paul Spataro, the chess master, Dave Pascarella, Rover, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Andrew Leyland as the butler. The village people investigating the prisoner. <laughs> I mean, I have minor quibbles with this season. Just, I don't think you're going to want to. Andy, where do you weigh yes. on this? 
Well, everything that you need to know is in this series. But uh, but do you think it's necessary for Paul to watch to for them to watch the first two seasons? Oh, it's not necessary. No, I was just gonna, I, it's I, not necessary. It's, I if think you want if you watch, to watch you... the Jerry Ryan hour, I would mm. happily sit through seasons one and two again. But primarily yeah. for Jerry Ryan. Yeah. But, I mean, as for, like, the plot and the rest of it, ugh. yeah, you'll get enough of a summary if you just skip right to the third season. Yeah, you because don't need to have seen seasons one or two to watch season three. But if you want to, right, really get into it, because they've not really explained why Picard's now in a robot body. Which I do remember. But I just feel like I just feel like I watched it kind of piecemeal the first time through the first two seasons. And I think I might actually enjoy it more than I did if I binge it. Mm. You may do. I don't know. All I got to say is, Andy, I think we had much better behind the scenes. Uh, nope. No spoilers. It's not spoil anything for them more we had better theories behind the scenes than it's like oh really again okay all right whatever yeah but i don't mind that because it does actually make sense this year yeah. which some of no it, it doesn't yeah, it kind of does no they've seeded all year that that's what it was gonna be bullshit I, yeah they have okay yeah they have so it's not bullshit, then, is it? Am, am I misremembering <laughs> mis- what happened at the end of season two? We're like, hey, we're the good guys. No, you know, but what happened there's an that? awful lot of season two that they've kind of gone, eh. There's an entire conversation that? between Riker and Deanna where they've gone, ah, yeah, that house that we lived, that was a bit bullshit, that, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was like, oh, you, oh, yeah, I hated that, too. It's like, really? Oh, shut the fuck so I think if you're looking at season three in isolation as the version of the undiscovered country, they've yeah. done a much better job of seeding where they were going with it. And it's not felt like a, what the fuck's this? Where there were well, elements of the first two that felt like that. I'm not Put a big fan way. of the, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what, you get in season, that's what you get in season one and two. And then it's yeah. like, you get to three and it's like, okay, why didn't you fucking make this to begin with? Whoever the executive was who said, let's just do Star Trek, give them a raise, please. Well, but I think I think all along Patrick Zewitt was saying, oh, no, no, don't. Do yeah, Star yeah, Trek. yeah. Well, we've talked about that before, haven't we? He didn't want to wear the I'm uniform. Not he didn't that's... want to stand on the bridge. He didn't want to say engage. He didn't want to be the captain. I'm like, why the fuck have you signed up to do Star Trek? Then? I'd rather you wouldn't bother doing it if that's going to be your your stance on it. And I don't know. Shut up, Wesley. Stuck. Oh. I, I, I have a hard time with this through the back door this year, but they've actually got him to do most of the things he said he didn't want to do. If they could just, I, I know the man's what, like 80 something, 82, Eight, 82. I have such a hard time with his voice. Not, not, not nowadays. I miss the old Picard voice. I know he's 82 years old. My, my dad, when he passed away at 86, he didn't still have the same commanding voice he did when I was younger. So I, yeah, but especially I get if you listen to Frakes and Spider, they've not changed much. The voices. Right. Right, I don't really want to get into too much spoiler territory, but I'm just going to say this. If I was Data, I'd be a bit pissed off. 
How? Well, you can look forever young, or you can look like this. Oh. Oh. Well, <laughs> but they're probably trying to save money <laughs> and not having. Oh yeah. Money. Brent Spiner's ego might not want him to have them but change him too much because he might be like, "I look good now. Why do you have to change me?" Well, he doesn't. Know <laughs> I mean, if anybody should be wanting to look forever young, it's Gates McFadden. Yeah. Sometimes she looks. Sometimes she looks okay, and other times I'm like, man, did they stretch your face back too far today? Maybe yeah. you go back oh. to the planet with the sauna. <laughs> it's funny you should say that. Angela said that. Oh. <laughs> Angela said Deanna looks much better than yes. Beverly because Deanna has just allowed herself to edge. Yeah. There's something, about age, there's something about aging gracefully that, that adds to your look at this point instead of trying to pretend to be young when you're just not. And then and I'm looking at it and watching it like when she said that and I'm like, well, she's in her early 70s and she does actually look pretty damn good on being in her early 70s. I think it's LeVar Burton and her that have aged the best, really. Hmm. Yeah. Neither of them look like they're in their early 70s. Frakes looks his age. He looks good, but he looks his age. Patrick's, you know, I've said before, I felt a little bit guilty saying this, but he's past his best, I think. Oh, hmm. Patrick Stewart? Yeah. Oh, he's 82 years old. <laughs> I know. And this, is, this is what I said to you the last time we talked about this. I felt quite bad saying it, but he is. He's, you know, like Bill said, he's not got that commanding presence anymore. And if the only thing that comes out of this, this is all I'm going to say, right? Jerry Ryan has been promoted to captain. The Enterprise needs a captain. Do you see where I'm going with this? Mm, yeah. If only they could draw the lines and mm. make the connections. And make the connection. Because I would watch a Captain Seven show because she has been consistently the best thing about this show up until Series 3. I would quite happily watch a TV show where her and Rafi got trapped in the 19, in whatever year they were in, 2022, and they had to make do. I would watch that show because those two were great. And I think it's telling that of all the new characters they introduced when Picard started, they're the only two that have stayed the course. Mm, And arguably Seven wasn't new. Right. Michael Dorn was pretty good. Yeah, but he's kicked in makeup, dude. Well, yeah. But you know what I do like about that? They have purred him up with Rafi, and that is a perfect partnership. <laughs> yes, I love the, those two together. The pacifist warrior monk and the... Uh... He's, he's Kane from Kung Fu now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Except he I, actually... I will not fight except when I absolutely have to, which is roughly once per episode. Yes, he and he's... But he's... Take, he's cutting people's heads off and stabbing them through the chest. I am a peaceful man. Yeah. What? <laughs> You've just decapitated that dude, man. If you had not forced my hand, Raffi, I wouldn't have had to have cut his head off. Yeah, you, you, your fault. <laughs> you had gone I think the this season this holds up a lot <laughs> I think this season holds up a lot better in retrospect, whereas previously you were like, really? Okay, that's what we're doing with this. And I think they have seeded what Jack's problems are from the beginning. If you go back and watch him again, 
I think you'll see that it does actually make some more semblance of sense than last time. But also, there are people moaning as well about the amount of fan service on it. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, it's a 35 year old celebration. If you if you're ever going to do your fan service, you do it now because you're unlikely to get all of them back again. I don't think this will happen again. I think this is their undiscovered country or it should be if they've got any brains. They yeah. gave us what we wanted three years ago. They've finally gone, well, all right, let's give them what they want. And they've shown that there's absolutely nothing wrong with sometimes giving your audience what they want. And the people that are moaning about certain things that we can't say, just fuck off. <laughs> there are aesthetic things that don't matter. That's what they're moaning about. And I'm like, oh, just go away. Oh, you get to see some other callbacks to other characters this season, too. Well, like, the big one, this this is the sad thing because there's two people. But the big one, this this episode did actually yeah. legitimately make me go squee. <laughs> like, <laughs> it legitimately made me go, it's it's that person from that one. And I was dead excited. And then what may or may not have happened to that person? Well, you know, like, shit what? happens. But... I did not. No, I can't say that. <laughs> God damn it. Can you paraphrase it so I understand it? I didn't know they didn't have a name. Huh? Because of the novels, I thought that character had a name. And that name was never mentioned when they were on the show. Was it Clint Eastwood? Yes. Can oh, my God. His name's there. Are you talking about the unnamed admiral that appeared yes. this episode? Yes. Yeah, they they always had a name. Yes, they didn't have a first name. Oh, I think. Oh, well, you know what? Hmm. That comes from the books. Really? Yeah. I was I was surprised as well. I could have oh. swore they had a full name when they appeared, and apparently they didn't. Oh, did not know that. I yeah, didn't. I I think I picked it up from the books too. That's why I was just. Uh, so, you know, you just rewrite things in your head. Mm, well, yeah. So, so that was enjoyable. I've, I've enjoyed it. I'll be honest with you. I think it's pissed all over the Mandalorian this year. Oh. And I've, enjo- I've enjoyed the Mandalorian. I think the Mandalorian's fine. It's fun. But clearly, the thing with the Mandalorian is the story ended. And now they're like, oh, shit, what do we do now? <laughs> well, this is, this is like Aftermath. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, nobody watched that either. So. Well, yeah, with the Mando, if anybody was just watching the Mandalorian and not the Book of Boba Fett, they'd be like, but wait, you uh, he was what? Yeah, but that, that shows the stupidity <laughs> of that decision, doesn't it? Let's make the, an important plot point of the Mandalorian happen in the Book of Boba Fett, because I think we realize that the Book of Boba Fett is shit. Well, you got to you got to make everything connected because you got to make these little these little, uh, you know, you got to be honest. I make the masses watch everything. I feel really vindicated because when Attack of the Clones came out, my big criticism was Tamora Morrison was a block of wood. And all I got was grief off people. You're kidding. He's in Once Were Warriors. He's a great actor. He's a brilliant actor. He's fantastic. And I'm like, that's his maybe. But he's shit in Attack of the Clones. And then along comes the book of Boba Fett and he's shit in that as well. They should have called it the Book of Fennec Shand. 
because Ming Na yeah. is much better than Dingo is than Tamura Morrison is. God, he's boring. Do you ever wish like they hadn't done anything with Boba Fett? Because everything they've done with him has made him duller than dirt. <laughs> Not his teeth, though. And everybody Man, loved him when he was just a little six-inch figure. Yes! <laughs> yeah. It's the Wolverine thing in the comics again, isn't it? If they'd not give Logan a back, he was much more interesting when he didn't have a backstory. When he was the man with no name. Yeah. And the minute you give him a backstory, it's like, that's it. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. Well, Do you know what Book, Book of Boba Fett should have been? It should have been Fennec Shand in the Boba Fett armor. And only we mm. know that it's Fennec Shand. Everyone else thinks it's Boba Fett. Well, one thing that's not dull about uh, him in that in in that uh in the book of boba fett is his teeth man that guy's got the whitest teeth anybody i've ever seen in a desert yeah especially since he's lived on tatooine yeah. eating womp rats for years unless maybe no, the sun... womp rats are made of 80 percent fluoride oh oh, oh is that it oh that, that that's worth knowing if we ever get stuck on tatooine hmm. but yeah i've enjoyed i enjoyed picard this year much more than i'm enjoying the mandalorian uh yeah i would agree with that because uh what one episode uh we had the pirate king who looked like swamp thing i like him again his character is interesting but i'm like looking at the special effects i'm like yeah some of the special there was a lot of things that reminded me of the um the comic book series yeah well that's what's funny isn't it the The first thing disney did was they came in and they kicked to touch everything that then they then labeled legends, right? Right. And first they thing just, they did. Yeah. And since then, what have they been mining for all of the material? The legend stuff. They've not got anywhere near Chuck Wendig's novels, but they're mining Timothy's own stuff for all they can get. Mm-hmm. So if it was that shit, why did you kick it into touch? Well, like the uh, like the um, the land ship they were on. Um, I don't know if I'm spoiling anything for you guys. The land ship on the planet they were on reminded me of the comic books. It looked kind of like the the planet that actually had water on it, and they had like big giant ships that they were like ship yeah. cities. Yeah, that, it kind of reminded me of that when they we had the the, the episode with Jack Black, which uh, oh, I just on, don't, I just don't like. I just don't like. I just don't like Jack Black. Well, that's fair enough. If you don't like the actor, it's not going to do anything. Yeah, for you. I mean, I, don't, I, he wasn't I had no problem with his it. role and his character. I just don't like him. That reminded me of characters from the comics. Yeah. You know. And Captain Peleon. Yeah, but I thought they made him like I didn't a like punk. the cast. Yeah. No, I didn't the like guys are like cast. a nondescript, yeah. you know, imperial flunky. You know, I'm just like, really? That's Peleon? That's huh? Peleon? It's only when they mentioned his name, I went, really? No, I'm the same with you, though. But, you know, let's let's rip off everything that we, we kicked into touch because we said it was shit. So I guess those space whales that Grogu saw when they were going through hi- hyperspace are from Rebels? Yes, I think so. <laughs> oh, yeah, did you see what... that as well? They actually, that, there's your, the first live-action debut of an animated character as well. Hmm. The guy from Rebels was in, um, I mean, I say live action. Which which guy from Rebels? The the big the big hulky one. What was his oh, name? Oh, yeah, Zeb. Zeb? Zeb, yeah. Zeb was in uh, The Mandalorian. Oh, I thought he was quite the same guy. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was really cool. It was just a nice little cameo. One of them that if you got it, you were like, oh, it's Zeb. And if you didn't get it, it didn't matter. 
It, those are the best cameos. Yep. I like that. Is it me or do you just not I just think that the the new republic they're just inept. The yes. problem with it, yeah, they, they are. deserve to win. Well, the problem with it is you can't do the New Republic story without Luke, Han, and Leia. And they are deathly afraid of recasting after Solo flopped. So they can't do that story properly. They just can't. Because they're not, they either were going to have that ridiculously vacuous CG creation they've made again, mm. or they're going to have to suck it up and recast. And they're not going to do that. I love the CG creation. <laughs> they are, it looks like shit and it sounds like shit. I hated it. I thought I, I was really. I get well. Everyone did. Everyone was like, "Oh, we got Luke back," and I'm like, "No, we haven't." <laughs> I hated it. I like the second go round they did with Luke. The first one was horrible. It was just like, ah, 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 what the fuck is that? I loved it. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> well, no, I thought it was good, but it's like there's people on the internet that did better deep fakes than that. Yeah, yeah okay. all the money behind them. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, Hamill was the. And it was still shit. Well, I mean, on top of everything else, his voice sounds nothing like it now, like it did then. No, it doesn't. When you hear him speaking, he sounds nothing like he did when you, you know, whatever it is, 45 years ago. It does make me a bit concerned for the beginning of the new Indiana Jones film, but. Yeah, you know, the, the trailer looks awesome. But you oh, yeah. I um, wonder how the execution of it is. Yeah, I mean, it depends how long they're going to do the, the de-aging thing. If it's only like a five-minute pre-credit sequence, fine. Mm. Hopefully. But I don't dislike Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I know everyone like looks at me like I've got I've grown another head. But I think the first 45 minutes, that film's really good. Well, look, there's Rosie Greer on Andy's shoulder. Hey, hello. That's a deep cut. <laughs> I, I, the, the amazing two-headed man. Yeah, I know, but why? Where? Why two heads? What are you talking? Everybody about? Everybody looks at oh, me like I've like grown another head. Oh, okay, yeah. You got to stay with the conversation. I'm done. Yeah, I, 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 I jam around. But would, well, no, because wouldn't Andy have uh, Ray Milan sticking out of his head? Ready, Ray no, Milan. Heck, he's already Ray Milan. Brooks. And not Rob Rosie Greer. He's already got Ray Milan. He's he added Rosie Greer. What do you, I mean, real Andy. No, Ray Milan was added to Rosie Greer. Yeah, but Andy looks more like Ray Milan than he does Rosie Greer. <sighs> okay. Can I just Andy be is, I, I, don't, I don't want to be racist, but Andy is white. <laughs> he is. You are. I am. That's true. It's because we've had no son. <laughs> come, anyway. come to Florida. Enjoy the sun. Give us three weeks. Give us give us three months. Unfortunately, I wish, I wish we, I wish we lined up together. That would have been great. That would have been good. Yeah. Oh, I I I still need to buy my ticket. No or, uh, ticket. Yeah, I know. 